right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Entertainer, Jay Morrison of The Athletic, covering the Bengals for you. Jay, how are we doing? A little sleepy. I mean, could they start these championship games a little bit earlier? No, that apparently was, not. What was it, 11.30 when the fourth quarter started? I mean, that, that's yeah, ridiculous. It's, it's always like this. I, I, I feel like I, I, you do. You need to, like, plan days ahead uh, to get yourself the proper sleep that you need for these things because it – First of all, the games take forever anyway. They got the hour and a half halftime. Uh, you know, any, any chores that you didn't do during your day, just plot for the halftime of these games. They're so long. And I just feel like 7.30 too much to ask. Like, so we can get it in maybe before midnight. Maybe. I'm not gonna. I, I, I don't have a problem with the Monday night thing. I know a lot of people do, but I, I just think that's the perfect. You're not going to put it on Saturday or Sunday and go against the NFL. I think this is the perfect way to kind of cap the weekend with with the national championship game on Monday night. I know people don't like it. People complain about the Super Bowl being 640 on a Sunday night because they have to go to work the next day. Um, I, I do like the Monday night aspect of this game, but I, I just, yeah. Just a touch seven, earlier. 7 just or 730. You're just still – For our old folk. For the old the, folk. The, the bulk the of the game – <laughs> The the bulk of the game is still in prime time. It, it's not going to affect your ratings. Now I get it. If you start at seven or seven thirty, people on the West Coast are still at work uh, at kickoff. But most of the com- most of the country lives on the East Coast. Let's well, let's for, uh, for those that were asleep. Uh, anything happened in that game relevant to the Bengals at all? Wow, how impressive was that? I mean, just the latest, just the latest edition. Exactly. He. It, I mean, and, and I want to just dive right into this because there's so much to unpack that puts the, ties the bow on this season. I, there's a, there's a, there are a million Joe Burrow is the greatest thing ever stories out there today. Um, if, if you're a Bengals fan and you're just sitting around giddy, I haven't seen Bengals Twitter this happy. I, I, when? Maybe when they were eight and oh in 2015. When is the last time Bengals Twitter was this happy about anything? The end of the Miami game? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Although they were still the mad because they tried. They yeah. almost blew it, so they were still mad. I mean, universally ecstatic Bengals fan base watching that game, watching somebody play huge on a massive stage who is going to be the Bengals quarterback. I mean, that is – it's it was unbelievable. Let's just say what is for you – because I have like 10 things lifted here, listed here. That that, I, that could possibly be answers to this question. And I'd ask people that are listening to this, think about what this would be for you. What was the most encouraging or impressive part of last night for Burrow through the lens of the Bengals? You're the Bengals sitting on the couch last night watching that. What was the most encouraging or impressive part of, of what happened in, in LSU's victory over Clemson for, for, in your perspective? Um, the way that things looked bleak at the beginning of the game, that he was getting all that pressure, he, he was getting hit, and he found a way. He, 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 I'm, I'm sure a lot of it was coaching too, changing up the scheme, the protections and all that. But, you know, we, people talk about this, the Bengals, I think the Bengals have a better offensive line than people give them credit for. They still don't have a great offensive line. Bro is going to have to deal with throwing under pressure, throwing on the run. All that type of stuff. Uh, he's going to have to deal with things not being roses and rainbows right off the bat. And the fact that 
that that game started so poorly with him backed up at their own end and with him getting hit and jostled and that three straight punts and stuff that he'd never dealt with before. And he just shrugged it off and came back out and was the, the same old, same old Joe Burrow after that, uh, that and then the coming back from that massive hit right before halftime. I don't know how bad it was. There was some speculation. Maybe there was a rib issue there, but the fact that he just sloughed that off and, you know, I, I Trevor Lawrence, everybody says he's a better prospect. Uh, he had the same thing. He was getting hit. He was getting pressured and he kind of shrunk under the limelight and, and Joe Burrow just embraced it and took his game to another, another level. And I, that's what impressed me the most. I've, we've seen the super accurate passes all year. <clears throat> as impressive as those are, it was nothing new. That's what impressed me most was him coming back from that awful beginning and coming back from the big shot he took right before halftime. Yeah. And in here's the it's some for me the biggest thing was it cemented what you thought and 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 did it in absolute concrete that on the biggest stages in the biggest moments he is cool Joe Burrow he is just that dude that rises to the occasion the bigger the game is that was the case all year. I was sold on Joe Burrow when they went into Alabama and he did what he did in Alabama, mm-hmm. in Tuscaloosa, went in and destroyed, picked apart Nick Saban and that Alabama defense. At that point, it, it was, it was, oh, this dude rises up when it's all on him and, and knows how to bring everybody with him. But there were opportunities for some of the shine of that trait to come off. And yet, over and over and over again, he doubled down on it. Like every time the stage got bigger, you know, Peach Bowl in the in the Final Four game, what seven touchdowns in the first half? Stage got bigger, he got bigger. You know, SEC title game against Georgia, destruction. Mm-hmm. National championship game, okay, more pressure. Okay, real real defense is back, right? And we're talking about five TDs and another one running to 400 plus yards and all these things. It, and, and, you know, like you said, dealing with some adversity and responding to it by dropping dimes and confidently dealing with it. Like just, and then end the day, kicking it on a chair, smoking a cigar, like the coolest dude you've ever seen in your life, as confident as can be. And, and, and really had that air about him all game. And it was, this guy and and God have Bengals fans been begging for this, begging for this forever. Someone who can get this team to play up to big moments. They have shrunk consistently, i.e., every single playoff game ever in every big game that they have been in. It seems like it's it's almost shocking when they don't. And this guy, this is part of his DNA. That's part of what he brings. And last night, you certainly, you certainly hoped entering that game that was really part of what he would bring. But then you could have that thing where it takes a little bit of luster off of him and he gets shaken and maybe the stage gets to him. No, the exact opposite. Double down on it again in the biggest way possible. That's part of what you're getting with Joe Burrow. And to me, that was the biggest thing. Was it put that locked down that when you play a huge game, this dude's going to be huge for you? 
Yeah, it really reminded me of Sunday and Patrick Mahomes. And I know they're different quarterbacks, but just his demeanor on the sideline, the way that Mahomes kept the team pumped up and, and rallied them. And it was just that, that, that calm and collected and we're going to get this right. Just the, the, his whole demeanor and then flipping that. And once they knew they had it, the, the, the shot the cameras caught of him walking to the sideline, pointing at his ring finger, you know, you just love that kind of, that moxie. And then the, the cigar, that photo went all over. That, that was, that was great. But I loved, you, you tweeted out the, the link to Brody's incredible story. I read that this morning and it, it just like, it makes you feel bad. It's like, I wish I could write something like that. It was so <laughs> good. And yeah. I, the, what I loved about that was the, the, because no, everybody saw the cigar photo. What they didn't see was the hat he was wearing. And, and Brody's story said that Burrow was wearing a hat that said Big Dick Joe. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I love that. That's, that's what you need. That's what you need from your leader. The guy that has that kind of confidence and that swagger. And yeah, talent's great, but there's, there's more to that position. There's more intangibles that go into that position. And I, I think Joe's got, he's got everything you want in that regard. And has any franchise, any team, any coaching staff needed that personality trait more than the Cincinnati Bengals right now? I mean, that's what you need. It's We talked about this trait a lot when it came to Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. People were taking, you know, what was some teams used against him was his brashness, his cockiness, and his... IDGAFness, uh, about everything. And, and some people teams knocked him, but for the Browns, it was the perfect fit. You need someone that's going to make people not think of what you were, but be confident about what you can be because this dude just doesn't care. And he is cocky and confident and I'm going to pick you apart. And that's who I am. Doesn't matter, right? The Bengals are in the same place. They have to shake all the bad that is attached to them in the in the brains of their own players is certainly in the minds of their fans and in in their own perception of themselves as a coaching staff as a front office in the way and believing in these players and, and what that can do they just they need that so much and the only way you get that is by bringing in a guy who has that but then makes the throws to back it up Look, when this, when LSU was reeling early and he drops that absolute dime down the sideline for the first touchdown pass, it was, there was the sense that even though the score was, they were behind whatever, like there was that sense of, Oh, here you go. Here it comes. Right. But it wasn't cause it was. That wasn't why this is, and this is what pisses me off. People talk question things, right? Throwing, throwing the huge windows, arm strength, whatever. No, that's what that looks like. I don't care about anything except for a super tight window, dropping dimes down the field, you know, 30, 40, 50 yards, depending on which throw you're talking about. Keeping plays alive when they look dead. Most quarterbacks run out of bounds, go down, don't feel the pressure, get sacked. He knows exactly when to run it. He knows exactly when to get rid of it. He knows exactly when to take the sack. And he knew how to get out and make things happen and be looking downfield the whole time. 
all of that, making those plays is what gets people going. It's what creates that aura. And the fact that he's got the personality to back it up only makes it even more slam dunk. If you've been listening to this podcast, you've been hearing this stuff for a long time. And maybe some of you haven't seen a lot of Joe Burrow. And I, it's fine. Not a lot of people pay attention to college until it really becomes draft time and whatever. He's been doing this all year on big stages. He's had this thing going all year. And that was the epitome of it last night and, and even further. And, you know, the dude's a straight legend. You even got Bengals players tweeting about it. Yeah. Sean Williams, like, did you see Sean Williams tweet? I did. <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna displace Geo and take doing the ads for those Mercedes commercials. <laughs> he's gonna have three furniture fairs. They're gonna have a whole menu and Jeff Ruby's just named after him. Like, the, even the Bengals players are, are recognizing it. Like this, they, the face of the franchise is here. Yeah. And, and that's why Bengals fans are excited and last night cemented that they should be, that they should be. And, and it, like going back to the comparison to Baker, I, there are some similarities there, but it, it seemed like with Baker, there was always a, like a little immaturity element to, to his persona. And you don't see yeah. that with Burrow. He, he, he seems so polished and mature and grown up already. And he's, he's not the kind of guy that's going to show up an opposing coach or an opposing player. He's just going to go out there and kick their ass. And I, I think that's a big difference between those two. And I think, I think part of that Baker immaturity is what led to kind of the, the downward spiral this year that they had yeah. a hard time pulling out of that. Um, so yeah, I just, I, this seems like the biggest slam dunk ever. And I know there's still people crazily out there saying, trade the pick, wait for Trevor Lawrence. None of that can happen. They, they absolutely have to pull the trigger on this. And if they don't, I, I don't know. They deserve they, what they get. And if they could, don't, they could lose the entire fan base. I mean, I, they would deserve every empty stadium that they get. They would deserve. Every, every touchdown pass that Joe Burrow throws, every playoff game he would win, every single thing that he would do in his career when the Bengals would get ripped for trading out of it, every empty stadium, everything that would come with that, getting berated by every single national draft person, live TV that night, they would deserve every single bit of it. It would kick them out of town. I, I believe that. Yeah. I don't know how they and could come back from it. You, you do that. You do that when you've got your, this whole, you know, the, there's two things now hanging over this de next decade for the Bengals. Joe Burrow and the lease. <laughs> they are the two things that are the determining factors of what the next 10 years look like for this franchise. And if you pass on one, you lose the other. Now, this is the question, and I, we, I sort of joke about this as a, as, a, as a topic to say. All of what we just said, the Bengals are not the only team who would love to have Joe Burrow. Some team is going to call the Bengals' offices and say, what would it take? So I'll ask you, is there a price? Everybody has their price. I've got my price. You could pull me off this podcast right now for a number. I'll leave you hanging, Jay. <laughs> I, I, you won't split it with me? We could both yeah. go. No, I'm out. I'm uh, out, and I'm holding it. 
Okay. But everybody has their price. What is, what should the Bengals, is there a price? Is it, is it the, is it the Ditka deal? You know, if it's New Orleans or let's say Miami. Okay. Miami's at five. They've got five, 18, 26, 39, 56, 70. They've got all those picks. Is, is there a combination in there? All of it? Is that what it would take to give up on Burrow and try to go the other route of fixing the rest of the team with an extra five guys in your first round, first two rounds? Five of the top 60? You know, if, if you look at it just on the merits of of those numbers alone. You take put take all the other variables out of it and you say, yeah, that would be that would probably be a smart trade to do, but but you can't do that. You have to look at where this franchise is um both on the field and in terms of the relationship with the fans. I just I don't think they can af- I don't care how sweet the pot is. I don't know I don't think they have the luxury of time. They've got to get this thing going right away and especially if you're Zach Taylor no way in hell do you want to – you don't care what the package is because you're not guaranteed a third year. I mean, if, if he goes 2-14 and 14 or worse this year, he, he's probably not back next year. So what there, he's he's got to be all in on Joe Burrow. So I, I don't – I just don't see how they – no matter how good it is. And look at look at the deal they passed on to take Achilles Smith, and Joe Burrow is not Achilles Smith. It's just – like I said, on the, on the surface it would make sense to – to collect all those draft picks, but I, I don't think they can afford to do it. I, I think they they have to take Joe Burrow and build around him and build around that rookie contract for a for a starting quarterback and not look twice. Take the offers, yeah. see what people are, li- take the calls, listen to the offers, but you just you can't do it. You you gotta pull the trigger on Burrow. I would I would agree, and, and you know any team. Any team trying to trade up for Joe Burrow is still ha- – I mean, there's always crazy offers you can hear. I don't – I mean, I don't know how – I just don't know that any team would be willing to get crazy enough to essentially give up everything for him. You right. know, I – and and that, I think that's what it would take. I think it would literally take everything plus. You know, you throw in, throw in another player or <laughs> throw in another starter – uh, and all those picks and, and maybe you're talking because, but, th- but then that's the thing. It's the only position that can cover up all the blemishes of this organization. There's so many things, so many problems, so many different ways. And, and when you see organizations get turned around from laughing stocks or just continuously in the cellar, it almost always starts with the one player and you, and almost always that's the quarterback because it's the only player that can cover up so much at once. It's the only player that can really change the culture. It's a CEO. It's the only guy that can really do that. There's just no other position that can really do that. And there's no group of, there's no five picks that can come in and really do that. You know, and, and not just, well, I was going to say, it's not just what he does on the field either. I mean, you, you, you've read all these stories about him in the past and, and, you know, how he, he outworked every single person. He's, he's out there running sprints, beating, beating other guys, 
just legendary work ethic. He, he's going to be the extension of Zach Taylor, the, the creation of the, the culture that he wants. He's going to come in as a, as a rookie and really kind of whip this team into, to shape right off the bat. He's going to lead by example. He's going to lead by doing it and he's going to lead as a vocal leader. I mean, he's every single thing they need and it, it's just, it's, it's the biggest no brainer I can think of in, in years and maybe ever for this organization. It's, it's just, it's what they have to do. And I just, I can't even imagine what happens if, if they, they keep the pick and go in a different direction or even if they trade it for what looks like an attractive package. Um, the, this fan base is teetering as it is, and that's going to push them over the edge. Jay, it only sets up for the most memorable screw up in franchise history. I mean, that's all. It's, <laughs> Bengals fans aren't thinking that way at all. They're no. not thinking that way at all. <laughs> it's all it is. Everything is like, how, oh my gosh, how is this going to break my heart? Is how every, Bengals fans are so afraid to hold nice things. Like it's literally, it, Bengals fans right now, it is, it's just like watching like the, you've got like a, one of those Waterford crystal vases or something and you're just, you just hand it to your toddler. Like that's, that's what Bengals fans feel like right now. And you just watch it, like watch them like run around the house, you know, play the dogs coming up against it, like nudging it. Oh God. You're just, <laughs> you're just, that's what Bengals fans feel like. Like, yeah, like, okay, we have this thing. Who gave it to the toddler, right? Like that's what they feel. That's how they feel about everything. Is it's just always just, oh my gosh, just don't screw this up. Just, you, you just need to just deliver it over to mommy on the other side of the room. Okay. Like that. <laughs> All you gotta just walk it over there. Just walk it over there. You know, it's just, that's what Bengals fans feel like. Like it's just never easy. It never feels easy, even though it may be easy and you always are worried. That something crazy could happen, you know, something dumb, like people getting obsessed with, but his arm strength, oh no. They exist. Those people exist. Oh, they exist. They're, they're, they're a lot quieter today. Yeah. (laughs) Those people, those, the, the, the Chase Young crowd, I'm pretty sure is gone. The, oh, but his arm crowd, I would, I really haven't seen that. Uh, I think you watch enough of those throws on the run and those deep balls on a dime and you don't, you know, even and anybody can see it. So, well, that is the Joe Burrow situation. We have, we'll see. I guess the, the next question is whether he'll be chumming it up with Zach Taylor next week while we're, as we will be doing down in Mobile, uh, at the senior bowl, uh, the report that Zach essentially reached out to, Joe Burrow's parents just to say, Hey, you know, when all this is said and done, uh, we'd love for him to come to Mobile and hang out on the South team. <laughs> I wouldn't expect him to play. I mean, if, no. he wants to throw, if he wants to throw a few balls in practice, sure he could feel free. Uh, or if he just wants to hang out, <laughs> come be on the team, watch, hang out with the coaches, get to know everybody. That, that time is invaluable. I mean, if, if, Joe Burrow wanted to do that. And if he was trying to just, you know, start off on the right foot with his future employer or, you know, sell that a little further down the road, 
uh, those three days just to be able to be there and be coached and, or just learn, talk about the NFL and get to know Zach Taylor and, and that staff, get to know him a little bit more. I mean, that's only going to help. I mean, inevitably they'll have so much time between, you know, the time he's drafted. And I mean, that's, but you know, just to get it going on the right foot and, uh, help everybody believe there. The, the first one I'm sure will be many, uh, whenever it happens, the first of many, cause otherwise you're waiting to the combine and they'll do their, you get your 15 minutes, you know, and then you, then you, you'll have them in for a visit for the, you know, you get, 48 hours or whatever there's a dinner there's you get to go around the building and talk to everybody but you know to have three days with a coaching staff is 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 pretty is, is valuable um this time of year and i like obviously zach wants him there the Bengals want him there sure i i don't know where joe stands on that and i wouldn't hold it against him if if he no. didn't go because I mean, it'd be one thing if he, if he could go there and just kind of hang out at practice and and get to know the coaches and not do any media. But you you got to think there's a a decompression element to this where he needs to just kind of get away, enjoy the enjoy the championship. Um, I'm not sure if he's graduated yet or not. I, I guess he he still has to be in classes or he wouldn't be allowed to play. Um, I'm not sure how important that is to him to getting back to classes whenever they resume at LSU. But it's just. It, it, I wouldn't, I, I know a lot of people will, will look at him, you know, look at it that way as he's kind of stiff in the Bengals if he doesn't go, but I, I wouldn't hold that against him at all. I wouldn't, I no. wouldn't expect him to be there actually. Um, but it, it would be very beneficial, uh, to, to kind of have those extra three days and they can't go over the playbook. They can't do any of that kind of stuff. Um, but just, it's just like get to said, know you, I think. Relationship building. Yeah. 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 And because, because it's hard. It, we, we're here. Coaches, uh, and scouts talk about this a lot. Like, and they care so much about building the relationships and, and the personalities they're bringing into the room. And, you know, it's hard to judge that off of 15 minutes in the combine through the essential speed dating and even, even one visit. Like, you've never been around them in any sort of football environment. And so it, it, they shouldn't need selling on this. Um, but you know, there certainly is advantages and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. They'll see him later. Uh, if it, if it does, then all the better. Um, so I, I, I think it's a minor issue whether he goes or not. If he goes, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's in the best interest of the Bengals. It's in the best interest of Jim Nagy and the senior bowl who would right. love to have Joe Burrow hang out down there in Mobile. Uh, it's in the best interest of but it's, it's, it comes down to if it's in the best interest of Joe and if, if he feels like he needs more time away and just to relax and not dive right into the draft junk and all the media that would follow there when he's going to have the crowds and everything at the combine in Indy, which isn't that far away, by the way. Uh, you know, I, I feel for him. Um, I, I want to, let's, let's push this. I, I just, just hit a couple news nuggets real quick. Uh, something we talked about last week. Braden Combs, uh, who was, has been a Spangles assistant special teams coach, uh, under Darren Simmons for a number of years. He's been here for nine years, nine years ended up being. Uh, yeah, well, his, he was a, um, intern in, t- in yeah. 2009. And then, yeah, so then he was a yeah. full time from 10 to 18. Yeah. So 
you know, a, a long time here for Braden Combs and, and he, you know, uh, Jay has a great story of talking with Braden and with Darren Simmons sort of about his evolution and the weight and the long weight. And, you know, it's funny to talk about a guy who's been a long time coming who's 33 years old. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, most guys are just hoping to break in in a little bit at that point, but he really has been sort of on the, on the precipice because he's been under Darren's wing for so long and finally gets his gig. Uh, he'll be special teams coordinator for the Detroit Lions. And, uh, you know, Darren and the bottom line is, you know, Darren and Braden both deserve to be special teams coordinators in the NFL, but only one of them could be it here. So if, you know, if Darren would have chosen to go somewhere else, <coughs> New England, and you would have had a guy like Braden in line to take over the gig here. But when Darren signs his extension, as he did last week, which happened after we recorded, uh, so I guess that's also part of this news nugget, uh, and adds the assistant head coach title on that. Uh, it's only natural that Braden would, would move on and, and go get a gig and, and it happened to be in Detroit. So congratulations to him. I, I expect him to succeed. He's really been, uh, he's been a big part of this, this team and, and has really good, big, important relationships with a lot of players on this team that he built over the years. Yeah, and if it wasn't Detroit, I, you feel like it would have happened somewhere else too. And I, I kind of thought it was going to be in L.A. with Sean McVay. I mean, they were teammates together at Miami. Uh, you know, he, Sean came to Braden's wedding. They, they, they've been close ever since. But Detroit is a really good fit for him because it's – if you go by those DVOA numbers where the Bengals were ranked number one in the league last year, Detroit was eight. And they, they fired their coach. It's not like – He's, I know the rosters turn over every year and it, it's, it's different, but it's not like Braden's walking into a train wreck up there. Um, and, and another thing he, he said too that was a kind of a big deal is, uh, with Kyle Kasky and, uh, Marvin Jones being up there that he, he said you can never underestimate how important that is when you go into a new situation and you, you at least have one or two familiar faces that can say, Hey, this is, this is how we do things here. This is what's similar to what it was in Cincinnati. This is what's different. Um, I just, I think it's a really good fit for him. And, uh, it comes at the perfect time too. I asked him, he did not go to New England or Baltimore to watch his dad, uh, Kerry Combs coach for the Titans. Uh, but now with this out of the way, uh, he will be going to Kansas City for the AFC championship game to, you know, maybe watch his dad get a chance to coach in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then it sounds like his dad is, is that purportedly going back to Ohio State? Which is awesome for Ohio State fans. I mean, he's, he's an incredible recruiter. I don't, I don't quite get the, the co-defensive coordinator thing, but I, I mean, it is, it's a good step up for Kerry Combs. Uh, the other thing I want people, you know, saying if he has aspirations of being a head coach, that's the way to do it is to, to get into a coordinator position. Um, but you know, Kerry's getting up there. I, I, there's not too many people. I mean, Vic Pangio was kind of an outlier last year, but there's, there's not too many places hiring, uh, old, first time head coaches, but still it's a great move for Kerry Cohn. It's a great move if you are an Ohio State fan because he is a hell of a recruiter. Yeah, the, you know, you say there's not too many people. I was like, yeah, not too many people like Kerry Combs. <laughs> Dude's insane. Exactly. I, I I I've told this story many times, but for anybody that hasn't heard it on my and when I covered UC or I think I talked about a little bit as he made his way into the NFL. My first time I ever met Kerry Combs it was my first year on, on the UC beat. And, uh, I was going through that in the preseason up at, up at a higher ground, talking to every position coach about their position. And it was sort of a series I was doing. 
So it was a good chance for me to meet all the coaches for the first time. And so it was time to do Kerry Combs. And, uh, he had been told, you know, during practice by the SID that I would be wanting to talk to him. He comes off the field and I'm like standing there and he's like, Oh, hey, uh, yeah. All right. Let's go. Uh, follow me. And I follow him and he's walking super fast. And I'm like, he's like, go ahead. Just start asking questions. Let's go. And so I, I'm like, you know, talking to him, asking some questions and he walks where we were walking to so fast was to the weight room. He literally is like, hammering out weights like he's speaking a mile a minute and giving all these great answers while like throwing up a bench press and like getting in his his like dumbbell lifts and all this stuff i mean he's doing like a fast like circuit training while answering all these questions i mean it was i was like that's Kerry combs in a nutshell now you that's he's just a million miles a minute and he's got to be the most intense dude i think i've I've ever been around which is saying something considering we spend a lot of time around football coaches he is. He, he is fun to watch on a sideline. Um, if you get a chance, I, I guess, you know, you can't really do it in the AFC Championship game because they're going to be focused on the play on the field. But anytime they show, show a sideline shot, try to peep him because he will be going crazy or when they run out at the start of the game. I mean, he's just, he's, he's like, he's 100 miles an hour, 24 seven. He never stops. It's, it's really pretty impressive for someone at that age. And he's always been that way. Yeah. One quick note, uh, that, uh, Bengals related that I want to touch on, and we, we don't have to dive super deep into this. Uh, maybe we'll write more about it going forward, but I, I always like when the final four teams emerge to try to find common threads and connect them with recent years to, to get, to give a better profile of, of what matters, what wins, what's winning now, uh, in January. Uh, the, the one that I've, that I come back to and, and a lot of people will look at this year and they'll watch Derrick Henry. Right. And yeah. you know, you, and you'll watch Kyle Shanahan's incredible run offense. Um, you know, and you'll watch Aaron Jones and you'll say, Oh, it's, it's the pendulum's coming back to the running league. Right. And sure. And, and we've heard the Bengals and Zach Taylor talk about that a lot. Um, about the importance of running the football, and, and that's part of it. The only reason being dominant running the football matters is because it helps you be a more efficient passing team. E- passing efficiency numbers end up in the final four. The, the teams that are the best at passing efficiency end up in the final four every single year. It happens over and over again. Look at Tennessee. Everyone's going to point to Derrick Henry and what he's doing is incredible. And he's doing it against packed boxes and all of that. You know who led the NFL in yards per attempt and adjusted yards per attempt this year? Ryan Tannehill. That's (laughs) That's why they were, that's why they made the run they did because of all that running and all the focus on that set up for an efficient passing game. The same thing is, and Patrick Mahomes, obviously, up at the top of that category. Aaron Rodgers is the worst in that category during the regular season. He was 11th. All in the top, all in the top 11. And it's been like that for a half a decade. That, so, I always find it interesting when people point out all the running stuff. But then you look every single year, the profile of those teams are the teams that are efficient passing the football. That's what it comes down to. And, and that's, to me, that's a major takeaway when you're looking at 
the personalities of the final four teams, uh, they all find ways to do that. And there's many different ways to do that. And interesting too, that the, the number of young coaches there with LaFleur, uh, Vrabel, Vrabel. not young, but he's, he's second year, to the NF, second to the year. Yeah. Right. Uh, Andy Reid outlier there, but Shanahan, what's his, his third year? Third. Yeah. You have it. So you have a guy oh. in his first, second, third and forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and that, yeah, I mean, the, it, it can be done. It can happen quick, you know, and what happened? Um, Andy Reid got his quarterback. Mike Shanahan or Kyle Shanahan got his quarterback. You know, and a lot of people, I, I think, I, I don't know if I've said this before. People, are like, well, what is Joe Burrow a generational town? Who, who is he going to be? You know, is he Carson Wentz? Is he Andy Dalton? You just want him to be Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, you want him to be that guy that can make teams pay when they when they try to stack up on the running game. Who can make the throws when you need to? Who can execute the offense? Who can make teams believe and make you win, help you win games? You'll hope to be better than that. But that's what you want him to be. You know, and if you're doing that on a rookie contract, all the better. So you look at that and look at a guy like that. Mike Frabel got his quarterback. They got their quarterback and they got the quarterbacks that help them be most efficient and help their offense hum. It's, it's the, it's the connection every time. So if you're talking about what, a 2021 Final Four appearance looks like for the Bengals, you would say, young coach got his quarterback, theoretically, you know, in the dream scenario for Bengals fans who, who just need a second break from watching the toddler carry the crystal. <laughs> I had a visceral reaction to that. I get nervous when I see parents hand their phone to the young kids. It's just, yes. I just want to follow them around with my hands cut, like, oh, don't drop it, don't drop it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt. Uh, run past her boot before we go. Uh, I, I think I've got a pretty good one. Okay. In, in the theme of all these people were mentioned in this podcast. Run, pass, or boot. Who wins a playoff game first? Joe Burrow, Andy Dalton, or Baker Mayfield? Jay Morrison, run, pass, or boot. I am. This may surprise people, but I'm going to run with Baker Mayfield because just take – the history out of it that that they have the best roster right now and now with the it, we all thought that's what happened this year was like not likely but was there was a very good possibility it could happen i i think stefanski is a different kind of coach than freddie kitchens i, I think they got a, a guy in there that's gonna not let the team put up he's not gonna put up all the the, the stupidity and the the immaturity and all that so i think you look at that roster they're most likely to to get a playoff win first, and then I I'll go I'll I'll pass on Kyler Murray and I'll boot Joe Burrow just because he's starting. No, Kyler Murray, Andy Dalton. Oh, Andy Dalton. Oh, I'm sorry, I've written it down. Yeah. I wrote it down. Okay, Ooh, uh, that's hard because I don't know where Andy Dalton's going to end up. <laughs> exactly, um, that's part of it. But I still I'll go Andy Dalton because he's probably going to go if if. if a team that's going to sign him is probably going to be one of those, a solid roster that's just a, a veteran quarterback away. I just, Joe Burrow's starting too far at the bottom. I'm not saying he's never going to win a playoff game, but I, I think wherever Andy ends up, he's probably going to be closer to getting there. So I'll, I'll, I'll pass on Andy and I will boot, uh, Joe Burrow. Boot Joe Burrow. Wow. Nothing against I, him. It's the situation. Yeah. I'm running with Joe Burrow. 
Wow. I, I'm like too all in on this. I know. I'm <laughs> running with Joe Burrow. I am passing Andy Dalton. I I, I got to tell you, I, I think where there's smoke, there's fire with Dalton to the Patriots. And if that happens, I, I see that guy winning a playoff game pretty quick. Uh I, I could see that happening. I, I, I've told people before, I've said it on here many times. I, I see a whole lot of Andy Dalton's future in Ryan Tannehill's present. And, and I could see that happening. Baker Mayfield, unfortunately, he's stuck in Cleveland. They're still a mess. I don't care who Kevin Stefanski is. He's just the latest guy. He's just the latest guy who's going to try to get this to work under Jimmy Haslam. It's just, I, I just, you know, how many, how many times are 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 we going to take the take the bait on that one? So I'm running with Joe Burrow. I'm passing on Andy Dalton, and I'm booting Baker Mayfield and the Browns. That's where I'm at. It might be the I first know. time all year that you had a run and I had a boot, or vice versa. But yeah, it might be. We're, we're pretty close on those. But I do think we need to start tracking those, like we did Growler bets. Yes. To go to better go back and revisit some of them as they do eventually play out to have the history of those. So going forward, Excel spreadsheet in the house. We need that. You're on paternity leave. You got nothing better to do. You should just go back and listen to all the old episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go listen to every single run passer boot we've done and, and insert them <laughs> into a spreadsheet. That sounds, that sounds great. That sounds great. I thought this was supposed to be about, you know, bonding with my child. Well, you still have, I mean, how long will that take? You know, Chris Meany. Listening to every single one. <laughs> yeah, but Chris, he, Chris, he puts the, the timestamp on, so run yeah. past, but you just go right to that timestamp. He makes it easy on listeners. He make it easy on you. Well, we'll split them up. How's that? All locked in. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, next week, Mobile, Alabama. Jay and I will both be down there, uh, for the senior bowl. The podcast will come a little later in the week, so it won't be in its normal, uh, spot. Uh, since we're going to want to get down there and, and, uh, go through some things that are happening and, and tell you what we see here, who we talk to, all that stuff. So look forward to that. We'll come at you a little later next week, senior bowl. And then, uh, then we'll be running up to the super bowl and all that stuff. So we're not going to be going anywhere. Thanks everybody, uh, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the national championship game. Hope you enjoyed watching a Tyler run across the kitchen with a Waterford okay. crystal in its hands and, uh, hope you enjoy the, the idea of potentially Southeast Ohio's Prince <laughs> coming to save the Bengals. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks everybody uh, for listening. We'll talk to you next time uh, on Hit It Podcast Crowd.